If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. In a world reeling from a pandemic and near daily acts of terrorism, we understand how life can change in an instant. How should believers respond? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares truths from God's Word about the importance of living intentionally, not complacently. From living with confidence in a chaotic world, here's David to introduce his message, Stay Convinced. Well, friends, the the events of these days that we've been going through should really challenge all of us to discern the times and develop a strategy for victorious living. Having been saved from the penalty of your sin, you are daily being saved from the power of sin and will be ultimately saved from the presence of sin. This is not passive. This is your path, and you're to be valiantly vigilant during this as you walk forward with the Lord. Today, I'm going to teach one of my favorite passages in the Bible from Romans chapter 13. It's kind of like, okay, here's what happens next, and here's what you do. I hope you'll find your place in the Bible and be ready to follow along as we talk about what it means to stay convinced. Friends, this is part one of the last lesson in this extended series we have been enjoying during the month of April, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. And uh, we surely have been living in a chaotic world. But here's the question. Have we been living with more confidence? Well, if we paid attention to the scriptures we have studied, confidence should be seeping into our heart. And we should feel our backbone getting stronger and standing up straighter with our shoulders back. We can be God's people in the midst of this difficulty. And when we are, God uses our strength and stability as a witness to all those who are around us. We're going to finish up our discussion of this series on how to stay convinced, but don't forget to get your copy of the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, by sending your gift to Turning Point. Do the best you can with it, but whatever it is, ask for your copy of the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, in these last few hours of the month of April. Let's get started with part one, Stay Convinced, Romans chapter 13. I have been studying world conditions here for years, and it's both a blessed privilege and a frightening experience. I don't know how closely you watch all of this, but I saw a headline from an Israeli journalist, Ethan Haber, and here was the headline, World War III has started. Haber was writing about the success of North Korea's nuclear program, and he warned that the test missile fired by North Koreans landed squarely in the Prime Minister's office in Jerusalem. (laughs) The world is quickly, he wrote, reaching a point of no return. Haber suggested when it comes to the Middle East, that is the truth. Experts believe that the Iran-North Korean nuclear axis is now even stronger than it was when it was first formed back in 2007. North Korea appears ready to supply nuclear weapons in exchange for subsidized oil from Iran, which is threatening, as you know, to destroy Israel. With rogue states like Iran and North Korea grabbing the headlines, 
it's easy to forget that somewhere in the world right now, there is a nuclear weapon waiting to go off. Maybe in a bunker in Pakistan, in an armory in India, or in a silo in Israel, or stashed away in a cave somewhere in Afghanistan. Perhaps it's below ground in Russia, or on a firing range in China. God forbid it sitting in a suitcase on the docks of New York City. Depending on who you believe, there are about 25,000 nuclear devices scattered around the world. The top Russian defense experts revealed that nearly 40% of the so-called suitcase bombs were never, ever accounted for, and they don't know where they are. Israel itself is believed to possess numerous nuclear weapons. National Defense Magazine ran a chilling article entitled Seven Deadly Myths About Weapons of Terror, warning that smuggled nukes cannot easily be detected at U.S. ports. Our ability to spot small amounts of nuclear components is overhyped, said the report. And of course, all it takes is one explosion. All it takes is one mistake. All it takes is something we think we can watch for and we miss it. It's a terrible thought, and I don't want to dwell on it long. But what if a nuclear explosion occurred somewhere in the world tomorrow? What would people do? Where would people turn? What if a gathering of world leaders were attacked by terrorists? These are all apocalyptic questions, but we're living in apocalyptic times. I'm not an alarmist, but sometimes I do feel alarmed like everyone else. And then I read the Bible. And I read the reminder of the Bible that we shouldn't be surprised by any of these things, but we should be getting ready. My text today is Romans 13, 11, and the verses that are around it. And I want you to follow in your Bibles as I read it from mine. Romans 13, 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Romans thirteen eleven is one of my most favorite verses. And if you bought a copy of what in the world is going on and happened to be an event where I was signing these books, you know it's the verse I wrote in every one of those books. Romans 13:11. It is a verse which speaks of our being ready when the Lord returns and being watchful of what's happening in our world and being reminded that the Lord has given us instruction and I don't care who you are, what power you have, there's not a nuclear weapon in the world that can blast this verse out of the Bible. It's here for us to help us and alert us, and maybe a little bit alarm us so that we become active in doing what God has called us to do. In these messages that I have been sharing with you, you will notice that the conversation always comes back to the return of Christ. Here in this verse, we don't have to come back to it because it's what the verse is all about. God wants us to be alert, and he wants us to be ready. So I want you to read and reflect on these verses as we go through them today. In words that are terse and blunt, you might say that Paul's message is this. Stay awake, stay alert, and in the words of Tim McGraw, live like you were dying. Did you ever hear that country and western song? The words go like this. When I lived like I was dying, I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. Someday I hope you get to live 
just like you were dying. At the same time that song was being played on all the country music stations, a Carnegie Mellon professor by the name of Randy Posh was invited to be the first speaker in a series asking thoughtful lecturers to assume that they were giving their last presentation to lecture as if they were dying. Posh, it turned out, was 47. And this really was the case with him because he had gone to the doctor and discovered that he had pancreatic cancer and only a few months to live. He gave that lecture, and it was called The Last Lecture, and it became one of the best-selling books. Anybody here read The Last Lecture? I read it in one sitting. It's not a long book. It's not filled with biblical truth, but it's filled with good truth and good reminders. So the country singer and the university professor hit a common chord, and that's the importance of living on purpose and moving through life with a sense of urgency based on something higher than just the pursuit of pleasure, which seems to be the mantra for most people these days. If the church that you go to, or the church as we look around and examine it today, seems to be snoring through the fire alarm, (laughs) it's not the first time it ever happened. I took some time and looked back through some history books to discover that just about every age of the church, there's been this warning against falling asleep while the world is disintegrating around us and while the signs of the times are very present. Here's a couple of those quotes from the past. Charles Brown, Midwestern evangelist in 1859, wrote these words. It's been a year of very limited spiritual fruitage and great destitution. The church has fallen asleep. This is Charles Haddon Spurgeon, 1873. I am sure I need not unroll a page of history and ask you to glance your eye down it, except for a second. For again and again you will see it has occurred that the church has fallen asleep and her ministers have become destitute of zeal, having no ardent passion. And Henry Richard wrote these words in 1884. It is not correct to say the church fell asleep in the last century simply because it had never been awake in the first place. (laughs) In the book that I wrote, I had a quote in there by a great Southern Baptist evangelist by the name of Vance Habner, and here's what he said. He said, the devil has chloroformed the atmosphere of this age. We need to take down our do not disturb signs, snap out of our stupor, come out of our coma, and awake out of our apathy. And he was writing that to the church. So these words in Romans 13 are a reminder to us that we live in unprecedented days. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Let me just try to say it again so that we all understand it. I'm not trying to alarm anyone. I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm just trying to be as factual as I can. There has never been a time in the history of the world like the days in which you and I are living. And in case you get mourning about that or moping about it and say, why couldn't I have been born in the good old days? Let me remind you, you were born in the great days that God intended you to be on this earth. He could have put you here anytime he wanted. You put me here anytime. And once in a while I think, oh man, I might have to preside over the church during times of great stress. And then I think, Lord, you trusted me with this duty. You trusted me with this watch. You put me here in this spot. Here's the whole breadth and length of history. And Almighty God said, you know what? I want David Jeremiah right there. And he did the same thing for every one of us in this room. He put you right here, right now, for these days. And what should our message be during these days? As we go back to our churches, back to the culture, as we continue to read these things that are coming out in our papers that we've never seen before, what should our 
attitude be? What should our message be? That's what this passage is all about. And there are four things that Paul wants us to learn from this passage. If you haven't noticed, all of these messages are wrapped around a short passage of Scripture. I know you're going to forget a lot of what I say, but I hope you won't forget where these scriptures are. And that when you go back and look at them and see them, you will realize that what I've been telling you is just truth that has arisen right out of the text itself. So the first thing that we need to know is this. If we're going to get through this time, if we're going to stay convinced of his coming, if we're going to live with power and confidence in a chaotic world, we are to watch vigilantly. We must watch vigilantly. Notice Romans 13. It is high time to awake out of our sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. If you read my wife's book and the introduction to the book that I wrote, you will read that I used to be one of these kids, and I remember this vividly, and this ages me, growing up before television became a household opportunity for people that didn't have a lot of money. So my big deal was listening to mysteries on the radio, and I used to fight with my brothers and sisters to see who got to sit next to the radio so my ear could be right there. We used to listen to all those mysteries like suspense theater and the shadow. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. I listen to that every time. And then there was another one that once in a while you would hear, and it was lights out. Anybody ever hear lights out? And it would come on the air like this, and it would go, It is later than you think. With all this Machaber music. Well, in a less sensational way, Paul is saying just that. It is later than you think. And the word he uses for time here is the word kairos. It's not the word that we use for chronological time, but it's the word for season. It is a word which means that the seasons are growing later. The season is coming upon us. The season is here. Be awake because we're in the season. Throughout the Bible, we are constantly admonished to know the times and the seasons. For instance, in the Old Testament, there was a whole group of people whose total life's purpose and job and job description was to know the times. First Chronicles 12.32 refers to that. The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The sons of Issachar were a group of people who spent all their time studying the times so they could give counsel and so Israel would know what to do. And that's the crucial task that we have today. We need to understand these times. We can't know what everything means, but we can certainly say, as we have been saying, that these are unprecedented days. There's never been a time like this. You and I are privileged to live in times unlike any other time in history. And God is going to ask us, before this is all finished, to give our best. He's going to call upon us to stand up and be counted, and we're going to be privileged to be his warriors in days that have never before been experienced on planet earth. On one occasion, Jesus asked his critics, Matthew 16, 3, he said, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And he criticized them for that. He said to his followers, he said, you can look up and look at the sky and make predictions about the weather. You can say, you know, it looks like it's going to rain tomorrow. Look at the clouds in the sky. They had all kinds of ways of trying to predict the weather. But he said, you can do that, but you never take a minute to try to figure out what's going on in the world in which you live. You can predict the weather, but you don't know any of the signs of the times. Many Christians are like that today. They don't give a thought 
to what's going on in the world today. They're so caught up in their presenting problems and their current needs that they never take a look to see the context in which God has allowed them to be on planet Earth. You've heard, just as I have, that every decade has had this problem. So why are we getting so upset? Do you remember Second Peter 3, 3 and 4? It says, Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, being interpreted as, Why are you talking about the return of Christ? Everybody's talked about the return of Christ ever since time began, and Christ isn't here yet. And you hear that all the time. In fact, have you noticed that the atheists and the anti-God people are becoming more and more bold every year? They're publishing major books. and We've had more books published by atheists that have been on the New York Times bestselling list than ever before in the history of the list. They're boldly coming out and saying, you know, they don't believe that God is here, never was a God, and don't try to get messed up with religion. And then you got Bill Maher and his religious movie, and you got all these in-your-face things happening today which are primarily geared to discourage and undercut the Christian message. Well, the Bible says we need to be awake to what's going on. We need not be asleep. It's no time to take a nap. We're living in unprecedented times. Let's talk for a moment about what that means. First of all, it means the eminence of our Lord's return. Some of you have probably heard that term and you wonder, what does it mean? The Lord's return is eminent. Let me see if I can put that in context for you. It doesn't mean that we know it's going to happen next week. The Bible says that no one knows the time when the Lord's going to return except God himself and now Jesus Christ who is at the right hand of the Father. We don't know. And we've had all these people like we had a guy out in California that said he was coming back in 1988. Well, what happens when you do that and then the Lord doesn't come back? You lose your credibility just like that. Who's going to want to listen to somebody? That, and you know what they do? Oh, I made a mistake in the calculation. So they write another book that says he's coming back in 94. And after a while, you quit reading those books, don't you? Because you know the guys are crazy. And the Bible says we're not supposed to be predicting the time. But the Bible does also say that we're supposed to be recognizing the season. It's sort of like a weatherman who makes his report on the weather show at night. He doesn't say, folks, go out on your porch tomorrow at 3.17 p.m. and it will start to snow. He doesn't say that. What a stupid thing to say. He doesn't know when the snow is going to reach your house. But he can make a pretty accurate prediction that sometime in the next 24 hours, all of the precipitation that he's observed in the air is going to form itself and the temperatures are right and the climate's right. There's going to be snow and we're in the season of snow. And that's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says we're in the season of the return of Christ. His coming is imminent. That means nothing has to happen before the rapture. Sure, there are signs that have to take place before the second advent, but there are no signs that have to take place before the rapture. Jesus Christ could return today. His return is imminent. Will he return today? I don't know. But I know there's nothing left that has to happen that keeps him from coming. He could come back today. So in this passage, Paul uses a dynamic word to help us understand how we should live. He says, now your salvation is nearer than it ever has been before. Well, you say, Pastor Jeremiah, my salvation's already happened. What do you mean it's nearer than it was before? Oh, I'm glad you asked that because I want to teach you a little theology that you probably already know, but let me review it for you. In the Bible, 
The word salvation is used a number of ways. In fact, the term salvation actually has three tenses, past, present, and future. And it is used that way throughout the New Testament. And so you have to know what tense you're dealing with so you can understand what it means. For instance, let me just give you a little paradigm that will help you. Here it is. I have been saved. How many of you have been saved? Let me see your hands. Do you know what that means? That means you have been saved from the penalty of sin. You will never pay for your sin. Why? You have been saved. Past tense. But notice, I am being saved. How many of you are being saved? The term is used that way in the New Testament too. That means I have been saved from the penalty of sin. I am being saved from the power of sin. Every day as I walk with the Lord and as I become more and more like Christ, sin has less power over my life. So I have been saved from the penalty of sin. I am being saved from the power of sin. And praise God, one day I shall be saved from the very presence of sin. Hallelujah. Isn't that true? So when a person says, do you believe in salvation? You say, yeah, I believe in all three tenses. (laughs) I believe I have been saved. I believe I am being saved. And praise God, I believe one day I'm going to be saved from the very presence of sin. I'm thankful for the salvation from the penalty. I'm grateful that every day as I trust the Lord and use the spiritual disciplines in my life, I can be saved more and more from the power of sin. But I'm looking forward to that day when I shall be saved completely from the very presence of sin. It's that third tense that Paul is talking about here when he says, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. He is saying The moment when we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin is just around the corner, so you better be awake. You better be watching. Threefold salvation is what Paul is talking about here and is reminding us of the eminence of our Lord's return. And then he gives us a little bit about the incentive of our Lord's return. He says, our love for Christ is incentive enough for us to await his return. But Paul gives us a little bit more. He says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. What does that mean, to awake out of our sleep? It means to become alert to what's going on around you. When you are asleep, you're unconscious. I need to tell you that much of the church today is unconscious when it comes to what's going on in the world and how it affects their life and their future and their hope. They may be saved, they may know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and they have never had a prophetic or theological thought in their entire adult life. They're simply asleep, asleep to what's happening in the world. Paul wants to astonish us out of our sluggishness with his words of urgency, and once he has our attention, he tells us what to do. Amen. Amen. That's why I like this passage. It's a very concise, strong, strategic passage of Scripture. We couldn't finish this series on a better note than with Romans 13, 11 through 14. And I hope um, you will get this whole series in print. This message that we're giving right now is fully printed out with all of the illustrations and footnotes And you can have this message and all of the other messages. There's 10 of them. The book is 230 pages long. It's beautifully designed. You will love having this book in your hands, and you will want to share it with others. 
most of all, this will be something on your shelf uh, that will be available to you whenever you are facing some chaos. It's one of the tools we want to send you, and here's how you get your copy. Simply send a gift to Turning Point to help us share this message. Uh, We believe that God blesses us so that we can bless others. If you bless us with your gift, we'll use your gift to bless hundreds of other people with the message. And it's an investment that is eternal. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It's something you can do that's going to make a difference in how many people get to heaven. So send your gift. Do the best you can with it. But whatever it is, ask for your copy of the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. And this book will be on its way to you to enhance your life, strengthen your walk, and be available as a resource for you to help others when questions are asked. And then don't forget, friends, tomorrow we finish up our discussion of living with confidence. I hope you've been with us for the whole series. Whatever you do, don't miss the final one. And uh, we'll let you know what's coming next at the end of tomorrow's program. The wonderful thing about teaching the Word of God is that we may finish our discussion of it today, but the impact of it will go on for a long time. May the Word of God fill you with hope and strengthen you for the chaos around you. I'm David Jeremiah. Thank you for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. The humorist Will Rogers once said, I am not a member of any organized political party. He said, I am a Democrat. I'll leave the organizational status of the Democratic Party to others to discuss. 
I like his observation for another reason. Here's my version. I'm not a member of any organized religious denomination. I am a Christian. What I mean is this, even if we are affiliated with a particular Christian denomination as I am, that's not what's most important. Most important is to be a born-again Christian, a member of Christ's universal spiritual body of believers. I hope that includes you today. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's universal church on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.